The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry. Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello, and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more, please visit uh, CIOTalkNetwork.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter. Look for this show as hashtag communication. Today's topic is... Just answer the question. And our guests for today's show are Miguel Gamino, who is the Chief Technology Officer with City of New York. Hi, Miguel. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Very good, sir. Thanks for joining us. And we have Connie Deakin, who's the author for Talk Less, Say More. Hey, Connie, how's life? Oh, life is terrific. Thank you. Great. So, so we wanted to, of course, you know, our show is about getting technology leaders to become the best they can be. And we talk about other subject matter, but this came about as a result of something happened in my own company. And of course, many others that I've heard when we talk to an individual, while they may have a lot of knowledge to share, while they may have an answer within themselves, but they dance around it and simply don't answer the question. And that must be uh, kind of frustrating for the person who asked the question. And then so much Leakage happens as a result of it. So we said, why not talk about this subject to say, while we're trying to talk about agility, we want growth, we want productivity, but frankly, who is watching if someone is actually answering the question and not using a bunch of words to express themselves? So that said, uh, Connie, I'll come to you. We know that we are trying to do a whole lot in companies. We say we want to move faster than ever. And, and we, we want to do more than ever and do more with less or more with nothing. How do you think that is impacting our ability uh, to have a clear and simple communication? Well, the problem is the word that you said, dance. We're dancing around things and oftentimes trying to impress people. And by doing so, what's happening is we're trying to share everything we know. We can do that for two reasons. Number one, to make our homework visible so everybody knows how hard we've worked. Or number two, we are convinced that people need all the information in the world in order to make a decision. And this leads to the problem because we've got way too much information for anyone to make a decision. The key is simplify to amplify. People will respect that in you and then they'll be able to make a decision and not just be bombarded. Totally understand. And so, Miguel, the question that I asked uh, Connie also is relatable for you because I'm sure you've joined City of New York. There's a whole lot to be done. And then you've come from other organizations where always you had a more than spilling plate. Not only you, but people who work with you. Then how do you expect them to just keep the straight head and every time somebody asks them a question, they take a step back, take a deep breath, and then give 
a response which is concise and to the point and simple. Do you think that really happens? Well, I think that uh, good communication and effect, you know, being effective and, and being able to move with speed truthfully comes from trust. I think an organiza- the organizations I've been involved in that have that, those sorts of uh, characteristics, um, the ability to speak openly and transparently and um, have that equate into really effective outcomes, even in the midst of, you know, voluminous objectives or voluminous tasks and and those sorts of things, it all boils down to an organization uh, of a collection of people who really trust each other and trust in, believe in the organization's objective. Um, I think that's where you see a lot of those barriers break down. You see a lot of the, you know, the the uh, consternation around how we're saying things and and those sorts of things really um, fade away, and people can really get to the point when they trust each other when they believe that everybody is in it for the common interest, when they believe that everybody is, um, you know, supporting each other in those common objectives, then I see you, I think you see that communication stream um, really free up and become um, phenomenally effective. That's a very interesting point. Yes. Yes. Can I add to what Miguel just said there? Because it's key. Because the truth is there's a difference between just communicating and influencing. And communication, if you'll think of it as the vehicle, but influence is the destination. It's where we want to be. And once you gain influence, what that means is people trust your judgment, they respect your opinions, and they actually listen for your voice. They seek out your opinions. I believe that IT leaders can and should be influential. The role is key to business transformation. It is imperative to influence across the organization. And so to do this, we have to be influential. That's when people will listen to you, not just communicating, but rather influencing. So, so Connie, you mentioned about leaders. I totally get what you just mentioned. And Miguel, you mentioned about trust. But tell me this. If you have two people talking to each other as a team member, as part of the project, and if someone is just verbose, that's just their habit that it's not they're dancing around because they have a malintent. It's just that the way they talk or they've never been groomed in that regard. And the other person is sitting scratching his head to say that, okay, I just asked him a simple question and this guy's giving me a whole story. That's, that's, oh, yeah. that's not because of the intent. So Miguel, I come to you. How do you know if this is happening in your organization and, and these, these type of leakages are actually undermining your organization's effectiveness, even though there may be trust? Well, you know, trust is a complicated thing. I don't necessarily only mean trust in so much as um, diffusing the malintended. But what I mean is, you know, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're working with a group of people and you have that sort of a really strong, really productive, you know, based on trust and truth relationship, then when someone is verbose, you won't, you'll, you'll have a, a relationship, you'll be in a situation where you can coach that person, even if that person is not your subordinate or whatever. But you, you, you find that, I think, um, organ, like I said, organizations that have a high degree of trust, trust and truth have collegiality among them. And in those environments, you can, you can coach each other, you can, because you're very receptive to that coaching, you're much more willing to take the risk to give people coaching if you have that um, healthy um, kind of work environment in general. And I, so I think, you know, 
But on a tactical level, if, if you have somebody who, who continues to have those sorts of behaviors, I think you, again, you, you sit them you down and you, you talk to them and you, you are very clear about what the real objective here is and what is the goal and where are we trying to get to. And um, by doing these things, you know, a little bit differently, we can get to that objective uh, quicker, faster, better. Uh, I think that uh, um, that that's key. So, uh, Connie, when we look at this whole scenario, there may be pockets, right? So Miguel is at the top, very busy person, and, of course, has the best interest and, of course, must be trying to lead the troops the way the best he can. There are water cooler conversations happening, and, and as per Miguel, there could be people who have camaraderie. Who is qualified to teach someone how to speak with brevity, which is a sign of intelligence? You're right, it is a sign of intelligence. Here's the problem. If we go back to the root cause, the root cause is nobody is teaching people how to truly communicate effectively and how to influence decisions. Because what happens is we learn in the confines of our home, however that was growing up, whether people were verbose, whether they screamed, whether they yelled, whether they were uber quiet, and then we take that into the workplace with us. So I've studied this for the past 16 years about what is it about influential people that causes people to align with them and can actually be convinced by them? What is it? And what I learned was that it's a series of three habits, which is first the ability to connect with what the other person wants and values, and then convey information where you simplify to amplify, and third, then to convince people to take action. And the dirty little secret is you don't convince anyone. People convince themselves. So to do this, you really need a point A to point B. So if we were to get down to the brass tacks of how do you do this, the first thing you do is identify what is your ideal action. So what is my ideal outcome? What do I want to happen? This is the way that you coach people. Say, okay, what do you want to happen? What's the point B? Okay? And then you go back to the point A. And the point A, what you have to answer is, what is the audience value about this subject? Why are they likely to resist you? And what are their knowledge gaps? And then you can drive them from point A to point B, but only after you have identified that that's where you want this conversation to go so that it doesn't veer off in all those millions of directions. So, Miguel, in your organization, when all of this is going on, when you come in and suppose you've joined recently, congratulations again on uh, accepting the City of New York CTO title, must be a big responsibility. You're coming in. How high in your list of different uh, you know, initiatives and priorities is identifying and fixing communication among people who report to you or who you influence? Well, I don't think it's it's I don't think it's on the priority list. I think it uh, kind of crosses against all the priorities. I think in order to accomplish the priorities we have in front of us for New York, uh, communication of really effective communication among staff uh, to to me between themselves and with our customers and and kind of the whole matrix of of stakeholders, I think is absolutely critical. I think if we I, I agree 100% with the three C's um, to connect, convey, and convince. I think that is spot on. I think you've got to really 
um, do these things in an authentic way so that you're truly understanding what the customer, in, if that's the scenario, uh, needs or wants from you so that you can understand how to um, communicate how you can help them with their objectives. And so, you know, I think that that conversation being very fluid and very open uh, is paramount to effective outcomes against the, you know, the technical strategies and tactics that we want to accomplish. Miguel, it's interesting you say that um, because what I've found in this global study here that I've been doing over the past 16 years on how people try to communicate and influence each other is that there has been a major shift in habits. And that is now fewer people truly connect. And that's so ironic based upon the fact that, of course, we are now allegedly connected, of course, by computers. But the truth is that the empathy is not there. And by connecting, I mean this is social agility and empathy of how well do you put yourself in other people's shoes? How well do you resonate with them? Do, you, uh, do people, when they talk to you, feel engaged, respected, and open to hearing from you? Do they resonate? Uh, and that's where all things today seem to be collapsing. People are disengaging because they have weapons of mass distraction. Let's face it, you know, the first thing you can do here, because people are now at a distance, we have so many people who are working remotely and they're all over the place and we're busy. What's impeding things is, are these weapons of mass distraction then an ability, an inability to read people you can't see, which leads to many misunderstandings, and then a lack of listening. And if we understand listening, listening is the desire to hear. But because we're in a speed-to-market mentality, of course, we really have an inability to want to hear what other people have to say. We just want to get things done. There's this um, research that's been put out recently that shows that there is something that's now called inattention deafness, And what that means is if we are staring at a screen, we truly cannot hear what the other person is saying because we are, at that moment, deaf. (laughs) Because uh, this was from the Journal of Neuroscience. Hearing and vision share resources in the brain, and you're concentrating on a screen that blocks your hearing. So there are many variables right now that are causing people to not be able to influence others. Let's take a quick break, yeah. listeners. Uh, yeah, so Miguel, hold your thought. We'll be right back and okay. talk about this because, of course, you know, the distract- weapons of mass distraction. I love that uh, phrase yeah. that you use, Connie. Um, and and it, is, it is actually true. So while we have all the best intentions, so Miguel, on one hand, you want to make use of the technology and the distributed workforce because people want that work-life balance and perhaps even remote workplace. All of that is going to further complicate, uh, complicate your communication initiatives or basically to improve communication so you can move forward. So how do you eat the cake and have it too? How do you get the productivity which technology offers but yet not be deaf to somebody saying whatever they are saying because of this technology? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And Miguel, continue your thoughts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Miguel, the situation here is that we have distributed workforce and we have remote workplace-related expectations. And, and there are other barriers which are actually creating communication issues. And, of course, as per Connie, weapons of mass distractions. You're dealing with all of that, and you're embracing it because you want to get ahead as a business. But doesn't it offset the very communication foundation you were hoping to leverage in order to move ahead also? Well, I, I was going to follow up on a comment that Connie made was, and I was going to say that, you know, I don't think now is necessarily much different. It's just more. And so I think that, that there are weapons of mass distraction, and I think there is a different kind of volume um, to communication. And it, and it is a lot easier to be lazy and lean on those those kind of technical tools and and think that you're being a good communicator. But I think the, the characteristics of a good communicator haven't changed much, even as technology has changed. I think good communicators uh, are charismatic, are empathetic, are authentic, um, are believed to be trustworthy. You know, those are the sorts of things that transcend the medium. And so I, I think technology kind of um, puts a spotlight on that or makes it, you know, hypersen- hy- makes us hypersensitive to that, people that are good are even better because they can they have a wider reach maybe and people who are bad are maybe even worse because it gets it gets heightened um, and I'm, one of my favorite things to co- comment on or most one of my pet peeves maybe is I get emails or LinkedIn messages or whatever from salespeople thinking they're being effective communicators and the telltale sign that I'm a a uh, kind of a victim of a mass email is when they start the message with Miguel, a period, comma, which A is my middle initial. So you could tell they just pulled it off of a database and sent me a mass email. That's 
it very ineffective communication. It is the, the essence of inauthentic, and yet it's they can say that they've communicated with tens of thousands of people. So I think that highlights what what was being talked about with the technology piece can be very can be a, a negative thing if you use it ineffectively. But good communicators, um, I think, are being very aware of the message that's being delivered, the, the authenticity um, of it uh, is, is really important. So, Connie, when we look at snapshots of communication, so sometimes you will see people may be preoccupied or you ask them a question, they're kind of distracted so they don't come across as well. But then there is something to be said about a core DNA or nature, if you will, versus just nurture which would allow people to kind of be uh, using brevity or listen truly and then give response in the way uh, it is going to most benefit the other people. Is that how most of us groomed? I don't remember that way. No, most people aren't groomed that way. Listening is the desire to hear. The problem is most of us don't have that desire. We're so busy trying to get things done because we're doing two or three people's jobs, and so we're trying to be extremely efficient. Plus, we are very pragmatic today. So what is happening is we aren't listening, and we're just trying to communicate and pushing things out. Here's something that I love to, Miguel, let me build on what you said, which is that right now, is the best time to be able to skill up on how you are at influencing and communicating people. Start with your visible communication. This is something you can see, you can compare, you can measure it. So looking at your emails, your slide decks, marketing materials, websites, whatever it is, you now have evidence right there of what kind of communicator you are. And if you're the kind of person who sends an email that's three screens long with five attachments, I hope someone will call you out on that. That is not effective. That is bombarding someone. So instead, what we can be doing to help guide other people is to then to bring that in, to coach them and say, hey, listen, Instead, how about we cut this down and you give me the essence of this? I'm looking for big picture first. So to connect with people, what we want to do there instead of bombarding them is to be able to front load with what matters most to guide you towards that ideal outcome and what that uh, audience, what that person values. So I think it's great that we now have a way to be able to compare and measure our communications. So start with those visible things. So, Miguel, as uh, Connie mentioned, we can start with those visible things, but there are the main leakage or the main crux of this topic that we picked up today is less of something which is in an email, right? As you mentioned rightly, where somebody sends you a mass email. So at least you can see it. And there is a record of it. Somebody can forward it to you for you to say, okay, this is what's happening. But people, two people talking as part of team members or there, there's a group of people within a closed door and talking to each other and some dynamics happening. And that's where the leakage happens. How do you ensure that it, it gets at least start getting minimized? Because you mentioned, oh, we build good culture and this will start to fade away. But, you know, what gets measured, what gets improved? What do you do about that? 
Um, you know, I think uh, you can do some tactical things that uh, structure how the conversations are, are had. Um, but I think, you know, it's, it's a matter of getting the organization focused on the outcomes. And if you're focused on the outcomes and you're measuring those outcomes, communication will be a contributor or a detractor, and you'll be able to come to that conclusion of, uh, more quickly. Uh, I also think that, you know, it's a matter of, you know, I, I want to add to something Connie was saying about this, the lengthy email piece. I agree 100%, and it's also a matter of going in, making sure that people are aware of what the intention is of that particular communication. Sometimes communication is not for the purpose of uh, conveying or convincing. Sometimes the communication is simply a matter of documentation and record-keeping. And so, you know, sometimes uh, it's important that we understand, as the recipient or the sender, um, what the real intent is. If you're trying to influence an outcome, then that needs to be uh, what you're focused on accomplishing. If the if the intention is to document some action, or and which sometimes is legitimate place um, in an organization, then um, if everybody knows that, then then you take it for what it's intended for. Yes, because there's intent and there's impact, and when those two don't align that's when all of this leakage that you're talking about occurs. If the intention is to be able to make a decision, to have the information to make a decision, then that's when it does need to be compressed down to its essence so that people can make a decision. If, on the other hand, it's a, a CYA, uh, just let's cover our butts here by putting all the information down on in writing, that's another thing. But to me, that's a problem at the top often that people feel that they have to just cover their butts, that they have to put everything in writing to show what they know, to show how hard they worked, as opposed to the trust issue of, hey, let's be able to get down to what matters. Here's a tool that I share um, with my clients, and maybe this will help you. Um, I call it the influence triangle. So I'd like you to picture a triangle in your mind right now. At the top of the triangle are the must-says, the things that you must say in order to um, take care of what that person wanted, to influence a decision, to move things forward. Bottom left-hand corner, the can-says, the things you could say that might help, you know, it's, it's supports, you know, supporting data. And then the bottom right-hand corner are the don't-says. So must-say, can-say, don't-say. I... I'm always encouraging my people, move to the top of the triangle, to the must-says. People will ask you questions about the can-says, and then the don't-says is where you're going to, of course, have self-defeating behaviors and get yourself into trouble. So if there's one thing you can start with on that, it's the must-says. What must I say here in order to drive this decision from point A to point B? Now, I'll tell you one, I, thing, one thing I did as a... Uh, kind of a very junior when I just started getting into my career. And I don't remember, honestly, who coached me on this. But I would I would go back and I would read emails. I was, I think, like most um, junior, ambitious people, verbose. And I would try to get every little angle um, detailed in an email. And then I would go back and I would read it. And every word that didn't add value, I would delete it. 
Um, and those emails got a lot, lot shorter. And then it changed over time. It changed my writing style. But I think that's, number one, a learned behavior. But number two, there is something in between the CYA piece and the just decision-making communication piece. And so I think it's, I just, I think it's a continuum. I think it's a matter of having people really, again, know what they're trying to achieve with that communication and helping them hone in on, on uh, driving to that, that uh, outcome. Exactly. Start with your point B. What are we trying to accomplish? And go back to point A. What is the audience, uh, you know, what's the starting point? And then anything that doesn't drive that audience towards point B or a decision towards point B, well, that's collateral. Those are a lot of can-says. And people will ask you questions, and you can get into those can-says. But if we'll be as clear as we can, that's when we become true influencers and transform from just communicators into influencers. Agreed. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about the issue of this effective communication or rather clear and simple communication. It sometimes worsens as you go higher in the hierarchy, which is mid-managers and um, sometimes even leaders are seen to be using a lot of rhetoric or uh, complex statements or a lot of jargon, which to the outsider would be like deer in headlights. And, and that's not really helping. So if people at the top are seen as engaging in more of this ineffective communication, then who's supposed to be tackling it? How do we fundamentally fix the people or, or create a way for us to be able to effectively tackle this communication issue? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And Connie, please take this one. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sunjo Gall. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. So talk about hierarchy as we go higher, mid-management and sometimes leadership. And tell you what, technology leaders are very much known to be using words which everybody else, the business people who they're supposed to help and influence and support, they feel like they're in their deer in headlights. And that's not really telling very much about their leadership skills and their ability to uh, you know, manage an initiative effectively. So what is this stemming from? Oh, oftentimes it's it's stemming from the fact that you know your subject very well, so of course you're using all the jargon, and it's as if you're talking to an internal audience as opposed to an external. Let me tell you about a, a guy who uh, was CIO, and he was on the road show. They're very very large organization. Uh, you know, uh, Fortune 50. So there they were out on the road show going to all the, the different places around the world. And uh, <laughs> he, as he went to all of them, he, he stood in front of all these people who were line workers and, and, and was telling them all these jargony things of how great the ERP and this is and the SAP and all that. And he walked away and, and got in the car afterwards and told their communication people, I nailed it. To which he, what he did not realize is that everyone out there in the audience had no idea what all these things were that he was talked about, and, and they just said, this guy is so out of touch. He doesn't get us. You know, this is just horrid. Who is he? And so we really, it does come down to if it's internal and there's jargon and such, that's fine. But we oftentimes feel we need to either impress and that's why leaders sometimes can falter because they aren't um, prepping just for each audience and understanding, okay, what's their knowledge level of this? We have to understand what are their knowledge gaps and why are they likely to resist us. If we can do those things, we'll align better and connect with the audience. Now, Miguel, I'm sure you lived this, and you must have seen your deputies sometimes engaging in that type of talk. You may have tried to correct them, but then as you walk away, that pattern would continue. And that's hurting you as a leader because you're trying so hard to make sure that your IT department and its people are coming across as business partners versus people who are uh, in, in a cocoon working whatever they're supposed to work on. How do you handle, handle this? Well, I think it's it's constantly reminding people, uh, you know, I, I've I've been victim of it and I've been guilty of it at the same time. It's it's I think that um, I made a comment that I believe the tech industry is neck and neck with the military in terms of the use of acronyms that mean nothing to anybody outside the organization. <laughs> and um, it's real important that we, as Connie said, know who we're talking to and um, to the best of our ability custom fit the communication to the audience. Don't just use a template every time. And, um, I have, you know, there was a deputy, uh, controller in San Francisco who was famous for this. Um, she would be, and she was with the city for years and years and years. So she knew every internal acronym, but she was always famous for calling it out in a meeting. So we would be in a meeting Someone would use some acronym that probably most people at the table even understood, and she would say, "Wait a minute, what does that what does that mean?" And she would she would make a point in a very very diplomatic, polite, sensitive way, frankly. But she would always be sure to um, bring those things out and make sure that they were clear to everybody at the table. And I thought that that's one thing I took away from those experiences was 
that that was really important. Even if you take it for granted that people at the table know these things, still sometimes important to be very clear. She she left that um, kind of uh, imprinted on me. Uh, and then I come to New York where I'm new and I'm learning these acronyms. And so they'll, they'll use acronyms for department names and, and uh, you think you know. And if you're quick on your feet, you can kind of surmise that DOE might be Department of Education, but it might be Department of Environment. And so sometimes also being uh, unafraid to ask, well, what, what, what does DOE mean? And making sure that you're clear makes you a better recipient of the communication also. So I think it's, it's twofold. It's one, the, the delivery of those things needs to be as clear and, and transparent. But, you know, the, the, frankly, the recipient has some responsibility to, to engage, you know, well in the communication to make sure you're getting the message that's, that's intended. Yeah, and if you think about how many different audiences you have, so for example, one CIO that I coach, he, I do influence mappings with him to see how many different groups and people that they are trying to influence uh, for decisions. So for one of them would be his SLT, and so that that is understood, senior leadership team. So with that, he's working on IT strategy, things that affect them uh, and and their leadership and, of course, coming down to profitable growth. And then he has another group, his direct reports, of which he has 16. And then another audience that he would have would be all-hands town halls uh, that are done quarterly, so when he's talking to everybody. Another um, audience that he would have would be the regional presidents, of which there are seven of those. And then there's the board of directors that they have the quarterly meetings. So when you think about all of the different groups that you talk to, that you're communicating with, it does require you to connect in a different way. And so whether that is dealing with jargon or whether it's dealing with what that audience truly values and how you make decisions. So one CIO told me that he always knew that, he, that his uh, CEO had run out of patience when he started spinning his ink pen on the table. So we have to look for those signs, too, that people are getting either impatient with us. Today, most people will just flat out cut you off or talk over you. But there still are people who have some level of patience and decorum to them. Look for those signals. For some people, it will be spinning the pen. For other people, where you really look to see if you have, um, are losing them is their legs. Because that's where people, it's furthest from the brain, and people make movements there that show how they really feel that, gee, it's time for you to move on now. Because when they start bouncing that leg and things are happening with the legs, you know, oops, time to move on. So, um, Miguel, when you're building your team, I'm sure you know that communication skills will be an ongoing battle and you'll somehow work with uh, whosoever you have and try to improve because it's not a pure science. You cannot make them 100% perfect. But what would you do if you were inviting people into the organization, keeping in mind that communication is key as at least one of the foundational elements. What would you look for? Because it seems like we are still interviewing people, but many of them turn, turn out to be those type of communicators we all want them to be. Or is it our organization that is guilty of um, 
kind of degrading their their natural ability because of the culture we develop. I've seen both, frankly. I, I've seen great communicators become completely ineffective um, because the organization doesn't invite that trust in in communication. Um, and I've seen poor communicators become very, very good because the organization almost demands it, um, at least inspires it, but sometimes demands it of people. And so I've seen people rise to that occasion. So I, I, I do think that, that people have people who have this natural ability or charisma, I think, have an advantage because they can navigate even difficult situations better because they can lean on their natural ability to connect with people and to influence people or communicate with them very effectively. Um, and other people who might not have that kind of DNA advantage, I think, uh, can be benefited by an organization that supports it. But the organization definitely, the culture definitely has a huge role to play in whether the communication is effective or not. And I think one way to see, you know, which end of things is driving the outcomes or the, the effectiveness or lack of is the numbers. You know, if, if you have a large group of people who are not able to connect and not able to communicate, that I think would be an indication that the organization or the culture needs to be, you know, really evaluated and, and adjusted because it's unlikely that, you know, everyone in the organization is an ineffective communicator. And if you have a couple of people um, who are not able to engage appropriately or effectively, then that might be a different indicator. That might be something that be, you know, leading you to more individual coaching. But but it's definitely a yin and yang situation between the the people and their their own personal characteristics um, and the cultural characteristics of the organization. Gani, when you look at uh, the the same situation, which is people getting hired, what would you have? What advice would you have had, or what specific skills would you? skills or traits you would look for in people who you know are eventually going to be in a position where they can communicate, but we rather not hire them because they are going to be vulnerable to degradation? Well, first of all, the hiring process is often based on aspiration and sometimes downright fraud. Uh, some people interview very well as their aspirational selves because at that point they're very curious. They've done their, their research, um, and they are at the, their peak of, wow, I really care about this. And then they get the job and they show up as their day-to-day selves because they're no longer gearing up for something. I look for people who are very curious, who have curious minds on the job. And then, of course, you're looking to see things that they have written because writing is, at its essence, how you think. I mean, it shows your critical thinking skills. Do you, like Miguel, take the time to go back and look and say, hey, my emails, uh, those are pretty verbose. I'm going to get better at that. If they pretty much the way they write is if that stream of consciousness, uh, you've got yourself a person who talks too much and doesn't do the critical thinking. So what I look for, too, in organizations is if I was, a, let's flip that on its head, if I'm a person going into an organization and deciding, hmm, 
Do I want to be part of this culture? The fish always thinks from the head. It has to start at the top. The problem is, in many organizations, the emperor has no clothes. We are not telling them. And we're doing a disservice to everyone because they are too verbose and unclear and doing just incredibly long presentations that don't matter and are not clear enough. I I think it's on all of us to both improve ourselves and to help other people improve. Miguel, since Connie mentioned about you know, whosoever, whatever they write could be a good representation of how they think. And that's that's pretty accurate. However, when you look at verbal communication, you really don't have the opportunity or luxury to edit what you said. So that means something has to happen before you open your mouth or as you're speaking. So that means we have to have some mindfulness that has to be developed besides you trying to work and build a culture. There should be some mindfulness. If you were the coach for someone to say, okay, when you open your mouth, you're actually focusing on answering somebody's questions versus just a rant, what would your advice be to them? So I actually use this with my staff quite a bit. In in San Francisco, our office was across the street from Twitter, and so I used to credit Jack for giving us the, the, the analogy we needed which is a tweet, 140 characters. So I would tell people, start with a tweet, even when you're speaking. Start with the tweet, and then read the audience or respond to reactions, um, questions, or what have you, with follow-up. But um, try to start with a tweet. And the other, and we would even use that in meetings. Like I, I would ask a question, and I knew some people on my staff who tended to give me all the background and all of the the kind of context and everything that that I didn't necessarily need. And so that became kind of a running comment was just give me the tweet. (laughs) And uh, it worked. People would start to think more concisely about the response or the communication and then obviously be prepared to follow it up with with contextual or or background information, but um, that's what we used. I love that. And if I can jump in here, Sanjo, on that, um, what you're saying here, give me the tweet, I'd like to tell you the science behind that. It's called the primacy effect. And the primacy effect is that people remember most what they hear first. So what's primary, that's when they're at their height of attention, when they were actually open to listening from you and making decisions as to whether you are a source that they trust and they respect and if they want to hear any more from you. After that, in the intermediate uh, sequence, right after that, things can, can go south very quickly. However, if you have given them the tweet with meat, <laughs> to me, that's what matters here. If you've given them something that matters at the beginning, then they're engaged. They will ask you questions. And the more you're communicating up, by the way, the more you get interrupted because that's how decision makers often make decisions, by asking questions. And too often I'll see a CIO go into a board meeting or to a senior leadership team meeting, and what happens is they try to tell everything they know as opposed to this um, front-loading. They get stopped and they never get to the point that they were going to make because they're going old school. 
old school, the way we were taught by English teachers was build to the point. And that's just backwards today. We have to front load. We have to first give what matters most to that audience, and then you can go back and justify. So you don't justify, 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 build to the point. Instead, we have to make the point, and then we can go back and fill in all the blanks of how you got there. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And let's uh, come back to you, Miguel. And the question for you will be, what if we end up overdoing this, this cutting down exercise and playing the tweet game, the one which you mentioned? Because a lot of us try to communicate or, in fact, communicate, but very few connect. And as Connie mentioned, the empathy and that, uh, you know, the concern or the compassion is missing in our communication. At what point would you start losing the compassion and the empathy in your communication in our pursuit to become that 140 character or less type of response. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjoe Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Miguel, we could risk overdoing our uh, cutting down on our conversation. So that as the way the way you mentioned, like that tweet, at the time when you want to also be showing a way to connect with people, which is going to be based on when you show some compassion, some empathy, some some you know care, if you will, as part of you answering the question. How do you balance this? Well, I think you have to, you, you can't underestimate or undervalue the personal connection, even in electronic communication. So this idea of the tweet is, is there's nuance there. And, and Connie pointed out tweet with meat, which is great. I might use that. Um, okay. Is, you know, to say, to, you, you want to start out with the impact. <clears throat> you want to start out with the why. 
which is a well-documented kind of approach to effective communication. But you, but you have to be able to follow up with that the meat, the context, and the background, and you have to be present and, and engaged to follow up and take the conversation in the direction that it needs to. So but I think it's a matter of not, not ending at the tweet. I mean, you might use it to start or to make the, the precise point, but you've got to be informed and you've got to be engaged uh, with your audience so that you can take the conversation in the direction it needs to. Uh, you, can't, you can't just stop at the tweet. So here, when we are looking at the type of leadership that we have to show, so you mentioned that we have to develop that culture. And when we are at the top, we are the ones who shape the vision and define the culture. So, Connie, if you were to look at leaders who have really brought about uh, a significant change in the way people communicate along the chain of command, not internally and as well as with customers, what are the traits and what are the ways these leaders have transformed themselves as well as others? Well, first of all, they, they listen well, and they listen with that intent to hear. And so they are indeed listening as much as they talk so that other people feel respected and heard. And then when they do communicate out, the first thing they do in, in a connection is that they blend what the other person values with their point of view. So the first things out of their words, when I talked about front-loading their first words out of their mouths, rather, the other person feels respected. And then when they convey information, they use portion control. And they have learned to do this over time. If, if we'll look at somebody who's really great at that, for example, is a storyteller. And a storyteller could be a person... Um, uh, you can think of anybody, I suppose, but I would look at Warren Buffett, for example, as a guy who really can take complex information and yet be able to explain it to you in such a way that it makes uh, good sense and you can pass it on. The thing about storytelling is that stories um, have a longer shelf life and people can repeat them and tell other people. And that's what makes it better than just dry information. The other thing that I warn about, because we're, we're talking about people who talk too much, what I also find in a lot of CIOs and people in, in the field is that it leads them to be too quiet when they should be contributing. And so when they do contribute, it may be too many details and facts, and yet their high intellect may lead them to be too quiet and not contribute. I had one CIO who was just surprised when he got his 360 back that the reason he wasn't being so influential was because he would not um, contribute as much as he could to the organization. So I ask people to connect first with what other people want and value, convey with portion control, and then when you convince, it means at that point that people feel that they are, um, can proactively seek your input and that you will, they are committed to you. Rather than just uh, complying with you, they're committed to you. So connect, convey, convince. I find that people who use that pattern become uh, truly influential leaders. Miguel, one final question, 30 seconds. Since you know how technology 
people are and how technology leadership is, what do you think you would want to say to them in order for them to start behaving and communicating in a manner so that no one comes to them and say, just answer my question? Uh, I think that uh, putting themselves in the seat of a you know, a less savvy person. I think trying to speak in plain English, reducing the rhetoric, reducing the acronyms, reducing the technical speak, and just speak about it in, in the way that they would speak with their friends about sports or anything else um, is a much more authentic, natural language approach. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Connie and Miguel, for uh, sharing your thoughts on how organizations can build a culture and, of course, leadership and people as individuals have to be mindful of the way they are being asked a question, how should go about answering them in the fewest words possible, the tweet model that uh, Miguel, you shared, but at the same time, remaining compassionate and be caring and be empathetic, as Connie, you mentioned, in order to eventually have both parties win. Thank you so much again. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Thank you again for listening.